0: There is an exhortation here for reform, revision, repentance, renewal.
1: This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. I'm Helena Martin. Every week, two of our faculty from here at Yale Divinity School talk about one of the upcoming readings appointed by the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have Judith Gundry, research scholar and associate professor of New Testament, and Adam Idol, assistant professor of ethics. They're discussing Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 9, which is appointed for the third Sunday in Lent in year C. The text is read for you by student Fiona Chen. Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through
2: 9. At that very time, there were some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than all other Galileans? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Were those 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I still find none. Cut it down. Why should I be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year, until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down.
0: There are two puzzling things about the passage. One is the parable, Jesus' parable. Bulls are always puzzling, I, and I, I expect he intends them to be. But what's puzzling to me about the first part of the passage is just exactly what it is that Jesus is referring to. What is going on with these, with the blood being mingled with the sacrifices on the one hand? And then who are these other Galileans that Jesus is referring to? I, I'm not a Bible scholar. I need I need some context.
3: It's a great question because we actually don't have any corresponding historical record of what these people are saying to Jesus about the Galileans. So Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, does actually say something uh, similar about Galileans. He thought that they were extremely seditious, and so he refers to them in, in that way. So it probably relates to some historical incident. Uh, in which maybe Galileans were sacrificing and then their actions were interpreted as seditious and, and they got slaughtered. Now, Pontius Pilate was famous for this kind of uh, treatment of the Jews.
0: Mm. So, so is it safe to say something like here, Jesus is say is referring to these known events that all would agree are heinous in some way. And he's, Essentially, saying to his current audience, "Listen, if you if you if you think you're better than them, well, here's something else to think about." That's basically the idea, right?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, when I read the first verse of chapter 13, I thought, "That's interesting." You know, we say today, "It's the winners who write history," and I immediately thought, "These people who are coming to Jesus, they think they're the winners, and they're writing the history of these Galileans who were slaughtered." and saying, you know what? They were slaughtered probably because they deserved it. Mm. And, and so they're presenting Jesus with kind of their authority to say, okay, you know, we 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 can write the history of, of these Galileans. And Jesus, his comeback is to say that actually, no, you don't get to write the history of these people. So they, they may have a reputation for being seditious, but Jesus goes, not so fast, you know. Yeah, People who came yeah. to him? They're going to be. They'll go down in history as the losers too, unless they repent.
0: What What you just said there about the writing of history, I was thinking. All right, yes, he's saying you don't get to write their history, but he's also saying, in and in some ways, it's not. It's an invitation. You don't get to write your history either, or you don't have to write your own history. It can be it can be rewritten, in a way.
3: And, exactly. Yeah. We don't know the end of the story yet, do we?
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, I mean, Jesus is saying you're in, assuming right now that that you are the winners, but but the only winners are actually those who repent. They'll they'll be the only survivors at the end. I, I'm just
0: just thinking here about this notion of repentance. Wondering how much we understand repentance today as it's being described here, I mean there have been some times I suppose in my life where I've looked at something and said, "I need to make a hard u turn right now, you know I'm moving in one direction, and I've got to move in the opposite direction. I guess there have been some times in my life where i've seen i've I've seen that and thought. And it's happened by some, by some grace. But there have been other times where maybe I've, I've noticed, I maybe should have noticed that. And this notion of repentance here—it's so easy to kind of gloss over it. It's so easy to interpret it, at least for me, as something like, unless you do something marginally different, or you know, or, you know, rather than unless you repent. Anyway, I just am. Waxing a bit on on exactly what Jesus is insisting here.
3: Well, he comes across as really harsh. I mean, yeah. you've got to repent. Don't just assume you know that you're home free, right? And then what I love about this passage is the parable that he tells at the end, because yeah, right after he says, you know, you you should repent, he says he gives Stelz a parable that talks about. How long the, the man who owns the vineyard is willing to wait for mm. the the fruit of repentance to grow. So the parable rounds out this whole scene with a motif of, of God's mercy. You, mm. we, we've been given time to make that hard turn because the Lord is gracious.
0: I hear... Jesus voice in the voice of the character who's who's pleading for more time. And it's an interesting parable juxtaposed with the harsh character uh, or tone that we hear in the preceding lines, right? You just said he sounds really harsh. And then he tells this this parable in which there's a kind of softening. It also reminds me of these passages. I don't know if this is either here nor there, but in the Old Testament, we have, for example, a story of Abraham, and he's pleading on behalf of of people for more time.
3: Exactly. Yes. Yes. What I I find so interesting about how Jesus responds to these people who are pretty sure that they've done a better job um, than the Galileans whose blood was mingled with the, their sacrifices. No, he he understands their real situation. And he calls them to look at, you know, where they really are. And he gives them another chance. They've made a mistake. They've assumed that somehow they're better. That's a mistake. And he doesn't condemn them for it. He says, here's the parable. You Mm. have time. But at the end of the day, repentance is what's called for. Not trying to say, They got what they deserved, and I'll get what I deserve.
0: I suppose I'm thinking now just about the way in which we're invited to extrapolate from Jesus' teaching here to our relations with other people. There are facile ways of doing this that would always be extending time or leniency in situations where you know leniency is not called for so i don't mean to suggest that that's what jesus is saying but there is there is an exhortation here to a kind of merciful pleading even on the behalf of others for for more time for reform revision repentance renewal and it's a lot easier just to to condemn isn't it
3: <laughs> well you're right i mean he does say in the parable that um, the vineyard owner says, if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. So it is a a merciful warning. I guess that's the way I would put it. There's Mm. time, but not infinite time. And maybe what you suggest is that in some way we're called to help one another recognize that there's not infinite time that we're called to repent. Maybe our role toward one another is to be that voice. If it bears fruit next year, then fine. But if not, cut it down.
1: Thank you for listening to Chapter, Verse, and Season. You can find a transcript of this episode plus a ton of other Bible resources at yalebiblestudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is produced by Joel Baden, Kelly Morrissey, and me, Helena Martin. Aidan Stoddart is our editorial and production assistant, and our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. Thank you, as always, to the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School, and thank you to Professors Gundry and Idle for joining us today. We'll be back next week with another conversation from chapter, verse, and season.